Artist Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick Shanley, joined as always by my best friend and co-host Edmund Arnold. And we're going to talk about video games, whether you want us to or not. That's what we're going to do. And it's a weekday, and normally we record on the weekends. Eddie, this is a very exciting time for us. Sure. Yeah. I'm just rushing home to record today because we, so full disclosure, we would have had a podcast up on Saturday, but I tried a new um, program and it did not work. So we're going to try It seems so great, too. It was very promising. And it looked good. It didn't work. Yeah, everything sounded great, and then as soon as I started to edit the podcast, we were all over the place. Um, so we apologize, but we are going to get on a consistent sk- consistent schedule. Make sure you check out, pod- we're going to try to post podcasts Saturday and Sunday, interviews first thing on Monday. So we, are, we have, have like, there, there's so many hidden episodes of this show that were recorded and that no one ever saw because of technical issues. Like, and there's always like ones. 10 of them. They're yeah, always know, our best ones, too. Yeah. So this one's going to suck real bad. Um, let's start off with what I think is one of the most interesting stories happening right now, and that is E3 is right around the corner, kind of. Uh, this year, we have a virtual E3 after no E3 last year and a whole bunch of hoopla around that before it even got canceled. And something happened in the interim, and that's that Jeff Keighley launched his own competing convention. I used, I don't know what to call these things, these online events, uh, Summer Games Fest, which, if you look at who has signed up for these, is a legitimate contender, if not already kind of ahead of E3. Um, so not only is this going to be interesting to see these two go head-to-head, but what does this mean across the board, right? Is Summer Game Fest going to replace E3? Are virtual events going to replace physical events? Is there a future for E3? What does it mean for the smaller conventions that are out there? Stuff like Penny Arcade, uh, PAX, um, and... I mean, GDC is a completely different type of event, but what does it mean for the entire landscape of the industry? I don't know. It's interesting. Wasn't E3 on its way out anyway? Weren't they like, wasn't it on its way to a slow death? I feel like more people were pulling out because they're doing those digit, what are those things called? Nintendo Directs. They're doing more of like Sony Directs and Nintendo started the game and then everybody kind of followed suit. So there's so much here that's happening, right? So I think we forget because of the pandemic and it kind of buried so many of these stories pre e3 2020 that never happened first off what you said is absolutely the case and happening all over the industry is you have nintendo had such success with their direct that xbox started doing inside xbox and playstation started doing state of play and now you have individual studios doing it ubisoft does ubisoft forwards ea is ea already does it it's going to start doing uh yacht club games (laughs) did their own direct uh it's why not do it? You have a direct route to your audience. You know more than anybody else does, and you don't have to buy out a big space on a show floor in order to get your news out there. I think that's the world that we live in now. Aside from all of that, it was a big deal when Jeff Keighley pulled out of E3 2020 before it started, right before it was canceled about a month later. And then this started. Uh, Apparently, I had this in the works while it was going on, and it's a legitimate contender uh, to knock it out because if you look at the success, the very quick success of the Game Awards, and the right. amount of connections and the proven record that Jeff has uh, putting these on and the not so stellar record that the ESA is getting within the industry, especially as you know things are leaking, that they're focusing more on streamers and less on gamers. It's, it's a wild time right now. And I think if there was ever going to be a, a move to kind of supplant E3, this is probably it. 
And if why would I want to pay for a big open space with dirty people who probably don't wash their hands coming during a COVID time? I would, you know, I would much rather save space for this digital space. And trust me, I love E3. E3 is the best week of my life for the last, like, however many, however many years I've been watching following E3. But you've never been, right? So you only never watch been. it virtually. Yeah. And um, I probably don't ever want to go. Um, just <laughs> it's an event. It's, it's, yeah, and I don't, like, especially now with COVID and everything, like, I don't want to do these things, right? Mm-hmm. I would rather just stay at home and watch it on my television. And then I don't want to, I'm not a big fan of, like, standing in line for hours to play like a 20 minute demo. I don't see the point of that. Sometimes you don't even, you know, you can play like two demos a day. It takes so long to play. Really? Not me. I get to cut in for the last. I'm not a big shot like you. I'd be a consumer, just a regular consumer coming off the street. So, you I know, I don't I'm, get it. I'm wearing a free shirt right now from E3. This is got a war shirt. Oh, look at you. Okay. Yeah. So I don't get anything free. So, but I, you know, I like the way that, uh, the Games Awards did it because the Games Awards, you know, we, you were awarding, uh, you were celebrating the achievement of the year. And then you were also like, you know, getting these new games actually being brought to the table. And then I think they actually released a lot of demos. At the they time. do. So, I mean, that's the other part of this, I think kind of gets glossed over it a lot. Um, the Game Awards is not like an award show. It is an award show, but it's also sort of, it was a winter E3 in lots of ways. It was. It, like it was if you were going to drop something not in June, a trailer, it was a place to drop it. And there was always a big, uh, there were multiple big game reveals um, on a level, honestly, that started to rival E3 just yeah. in the winter. And with the demos attached to it, all of this being virtual too, you know, it was a very small group of people who were in the Microsoft theater and it grew and grew every year. I always laugh and like 2017, you could walk in and sit anywhere you wanted to. The last one that I went to in 2019, <laughs> we had assigned seats. And I went from being two inches away from the stage to like nosebleeds. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That sucks. I'm so, a little, but, little perturbed about it. It was insulting. Frankly. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you haven't paid the cost to be the boss yet, you know? I guess. Not, not a big deal. deal. Yeah. You're not a big deal. You need to start like doing shirtless stuff and then go like, <laughs> some deals or something. Um, but yeah, and like I, you know, I don't, I don't know if, uh, these developers and these, you know, especially like these smaller developers and these smaller studios. I don't think they want to pay um, to go to E3, right? And it, you know, and it sounded like from pod- podcasts that I listened to, like the Giant Bombcast, that it was a heavy sum to pay to have a space, and then you'd have this big giant space of nothing, like empty space, and then like a few kiosk of video games, right? And I, you know, I've never been there, so I, I could be completely pulling this out of my ass. But it just seems like it's more more cost effective just to send like Jeff Keighley a gameplay demo. Uh, we get on the phone, get on Zoom. I can talk about my game. It just yeah. I don't even have to leave my house. You know what I mean? It just seems I, like I, a much more cost effective way to run these. Yeah, it's what everybody said about media in general, right? Is that we were all kind of leaning towards this for a while. Then COVID just kind of toppled it all over and made it where we had to do it. Something that was already a lot of people were talking about doing in the first place. And now it just kind of happened. In terms of the cost, I don't know exactly what it costs to put up one of these boots. They're pretty impressive and they're big. What I do know is that they're manned by a lot of people. And a lot of the people that are in there are high level comms people and high level developer people. So just the the expense of those people not doing other parts of their job because they have to be there doing press is whatever that is of their salary. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. That being said, I'm wondering what really are you getting out of it other than it's a really, I love E3. I really enjoyed it every year and I would look forward to it. I love conventions. I always did. I complain about them whenever I'm at them, but I do like going to them because they're an event where everyone's in the same place. And that's what really happens. Yeah. I do a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't miss the smell. Was there a smell at the teacher conventions? 
uh, luxury. <laughs> like teachers don't smell bad. Man. Like they all, we all smell good. Like they've always smelled good. Um, we, we didn't smell good. The gamers weren't smelling good. And the games journalists <laughs> definitely weren't smelling good. Uh, it was really just an event. You're going to get that coverage anyway. And it was covered by people who weren't there as well. So I don't know. I'm like, I'm arguing a point that I don't want to argue, if that makes sense. I yeah. want there to be an E3. I want there to be conventions, but really like, it's hard to make the argument for it other than like, I enjoy them and I liked them, but I'm not footing the bill for it. And I hope these other people enjoyed it. I know from people that I speak to in the industry, everyone enjoyed going to it and being at it because it was the industry coming together. Right. And that part of it was great. Do we need that now in a world where we can do this? I hope so. I hate this a lot. <laughs> well, I, and then a lot let me of ask don't. Yeah. A lot of people don't. I don't, I don't hate it at all. But let mean, me ask you um, as someone in the industry, like, what does this do for your networking um, chances? Like, does it diminish? Like, you can't do the same type of networking in breakout rooms, right? No, God, no. So and that's how is I, this, how's it possible to network nowadays? That's my biggest problem with all of this is, and something that I think probably the thing in my career I've been the best at is networking, or the thing I enjoyed the most, at least, whether I'm good at it or not. Maybe people hate me and talk crap about me. You're very personable. Back. No, you are very personable. Thank you, Eddie. You do have that about you. I, I can't lie. You're very likable when you want to be. Stop it. <laughs> but yeah you can't do it on zoom and it doesn't work that way also how would you even do it? how are you going to be a stranger on zoom is a really great question you have to schedule the time these events and the parties too which is this is the weird thing about journalism or just any of this type of job i, I assume it's the same if you're a salesman but being a journalist is sort of like being a salesman going to parties sounds like a fun thing that's frivolous about your job it's not it's actually where most of a lot of work got done i've made so many contacts at parties meeting people getting to know people in a more stripped down version as that a word or a phrase you can still use Uh, those contacts went a long way and i made most of them through these types of events and speaking to these types of people at an online event i don't know how to do that i show up in a zoom room i talk to somebody this way in these weird fake parameters that we have. And I can't really have a real conversation with them in the same way. You try your best to do it, but it's not the same. So I worry about that. But why was the, if, if I'm a game company, do I give a crap if journalists are making contacts? (laughs) Probably not. No, you probably don't want them to contact each other. Right. That's a good point. You don't want them to talk about the practices that you've been utilizing to get these games out there on the floor. Right. So unless you have to interact with, this was all a conspiracy from the get go. They were trying to get rid of these completely. Yeah. To do that part of it sucks for me personally. I I totally, I hate it. And I loved doing this stuff. I think it's funny. You don't hear from the, the media partners that how important this was for the media is what I think is being lost here. The coverage you can do online is not anywhere near what the coverage you can do at an event. And events make stories too. Yeah, right. You know, that many people being there, there's always a story of the event itself. And now that's kind of lost. Right. And nobody's really telling stories about the behind the scenes of how these things are coming together virtually too, which I would like to see, but whatever. No, no one is. I think everyone's too exhausted by putting these things together to even have a conversation about how to put it together. Um, it's it's really amazing that they're able to even do these things. We live in an incredible time that this is possible. That being said, I miss the other stuff because I'm an old fogey. Um, if, we ta- fogey. if we can talk about the events themselves, Eddie, as somebody who's just watched this online, which one are you more excited for? Just right off the bat. I don't know. I, I like them both, honestly. Um, it's that's the, to- that's the other part of it. Sorry, before we even start. I mean, 
There can be both. I like it. Yeah, I, I just like that there's going to be more games to be revealed. You know, Jeff Keighley's going to probably focus on games that E3 is not going to be able to focus on, and E3 is probably going to focus on games that Jeff Keighley's not going to be able to focus on. So, I, you know, I just think they bolster each other. And I don't think Jeff is the type, I don't know him personally, uh, but I don't think he's the type to, you know, try to compete with E3. I think he would. it's more of a, you know, let's try to booster each other. Let's try, you know, it's been a hard, tough year for gamers. Not a lot of stuff has come out. Not, not a lot of reveals have been made this year. So let's give the, let's give everyone who's been home all this time, you know, something to look forward to. Let's just try to boast as many games as we can get. Yeah. Um, and I hope that we see games that we, we've heard about, like Starfield. And we're supposed to. That's the buzz, is that we're going to see something from it, though who knows what that's going to be. And, you know, but, speaking at the consumer, I'm excited because I can't be there, right? So it, it feels like it's going to be optimized for me at home. Whereas E3 felt like it was optimized for you people that were there, you you people that were there, and it seems like a lot was lost in translation if you're viewing it on a YouTube like live stream and things like that. Can so I now, ask about that? Because when you were watching it, you really just watched the press conferences the days before, right? And then when the actual conference was going on, there's no streams of the conference, right? I, there, I suppose maybe IGN does things where they have like a a lot of it's live. Um, so I, and I don't usually go through IGN, but you, you, you know, YouTube has something. GameSpot has really good coverage. I used to watch the giant bomb coverage of it where they would just have all of their podcast or all of their uh, reporters right there. Are they called content creators, whatever you call people anymore. Um, they would have everybody just like in a round table and they would be discussing the games re- being revealed as they were revealed. Um, I got more into that, but usually I would just watch the straight up stream of it because I just want to see the live feed of it without mm-hmm. any commentary to t- kind of dilute my ideas or anything. Um, but, you know, having that extra commentary habit uh, behind you where you can hear the history of the, the studio yeah. and you can hear about what the studio is currently going through right now. That's nice to have. Um, and that's it, the value add that the media has and why I think this is a symbiotic relationship. And I think it's becoming more and more confrontational between studios and the press uh, for lots of reasons. But it, it's supposed to be symbiotic in a certain way, not that we're working with these people or, you know, greasing palms. That that yeah, they, then they do. And a lot of them are sponsoring you. Um, but it used to be you have an expert commentary, like you said. These are the things that are happening. And then we have people on the outside who cover this every single day who can contextualize it for somebody who might just be popping in, or let's say you will really only care about one game. Something else comes in. I can tell you about that game and how that fits in with all these other things. And that's the way it's supposed to work. That's why the press is there. You're both telling people more about these games, but then also they're coming to you and you're benefiting because you're supposed to have the expert knowledge about what's going on there. And that might be lost a little bit though. People do co-stream events. I just, I don't know. I don't watch or consume content that way. So it's always interesting to me to hear that from people. I suppose if you love a streamer, you want to see the streamer react to the news at the same time. You feel like you're like part of a party as opposed yeah. to just watching the news directly, which is what I would. And that's going to be, that's going to blow up this year. I feel like, I feel like we're okay. going to see a lot more people like mm-hmm. tune into the streamer that they like or the YouTube personality that they like. And then they will, they'll basically follow what they're saying about the event. So I, I feel like that's going to blow up this year more so than before. Um, it's, it's like when a whale dies and all these other fish eat the dead whale. That's yeah. the analogy. That Great analogy. E3 is yeah. a dead whale and yeah. everybody is just eating its corpse. I mean, E3 has been failing for, not failing, but E3 has been declining for a while now. And it just seems like there's this avenue where people, someone can jump in and kind of like capitalize on that. And mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff is the person to do it. I mean, look at what he did with the game awards and what four to five years, look at how he's just transformed that thing into a, um, 
it's just a force in gaming right now. Like yeah. if you're beside, like you said, besides E3, that is what you tuned in to get more reveals. And it was weak this year. I'm not going to lie. It was very weak this year, but it was COVID year. Yeah, exactly. It was COVID year. So I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I think we're going to get a lot of reveals that we should have gotten last E3 and like last year when COVID was going a little bit harder than it was now, going hard yeah. in the paint. But um, I don't know. I'm excited. Um, Starfield. What other game? What games do are? What's coming out? God of War? Horizon? Mm, there is no God of War. I mean, there's. I mean, Breath there, the there is a God of War, but we don't know. That might be there. I hope there's Breath of the Wild too. Would it be interesting if there was a Metroid announcement? Oh gosh, I forgot. how long has that been in development? Yeah. Um, I would like to see more about Halo. Frankly. Oh yeah, Halo, Fable. I forgot about <laughs> Xbox. Yeah. Just they in general. Yeah. Xbox is at both. It's. Both. They have to be at both. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely <laughs> need to be at both. Yeah. Well, that's the benefit too. If now you have two different things and, you know, maybe over time you'll find there's these are two very distinct audiences. Who knows what this is going to hold. I, it'll be fun to do a, a recap, like um, a post game on these two conventions to see how different they are, what type of audience they both got. But it's going to, anyone who thinks this is not a competition, it's a competition. Like they're thinking of it as competition. Yeah. I, I see. I'm, I'm not, I don't know. So um if you're saying it's a competition, I believe you. It might be, it might be a competition. I wonder if like some studios would do some backward shit. Like, hey, Jeff, we'll give you some gameplay, but you know, E3, we're just going to give you like some cover art to reveal. I wonder I if bet. you will see some stuff like that. That would be amazing. That's what I want to happen. I want Coke versus Pepsi. I want Nintendo versus PlayStation. Like, I want these friends yeah. to get out of each other because that breeds better stuff, I think. And E3 is at a loss this year because you're not charging for space, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they're doing it. I I also feel all of these online conventions that have been that were built as actual physical conventions that went online were terrible. They were all awful last year. The only one that didn't suck was one called DC Fandom, and that's because DC Fandom never had like an actual fandom where he walked in and Tina Turner was singing and he had to fight Mel Gibson. It well, that's a reference that's really old. If anyone gets that, I'd be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> That movie kicks ass. <laughs> uh, what the hell was I talking about? Uh, Tina Turner. No, sorry. Oh. <laughs> the thing is, is that DC Fandom worked because they had something to show and because it was something new so they could just build it all online anyway. They weren't trying to take the Comic-Con experience and then put it in online. The Comic-Con experience doesn't work online because Comic-Con is about being around a whole bunch of fat, sweaty people, getting a whole bunch of free crap, and then swimming in the Marriott's pool without being a guest of the Marriott. Ooh, look at you. Yeah. I did that every single day. I just wore my swimsuit the entire time I was at Comic-Con. Was and like, like, isn't Comic-Con more of like a camaraderie thing? Like we're all nerds. We're in it together. Like let's bond for this week or so. Like I guess, yeah. There was a yeah, lot of people. Know. Like DC fandom. Somebody just, should. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and DC fandom was just like a bunch of reveals. It was just a bunch of reveals. Like it wasn't anything yeah. like, I mean, I mean, we got Batman reveal. We had a whole bunch of TV shows reveal. Batman's the only thing that matters. So Suicide Squad, yeah, true. Yes, um, yeah. Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad game, Gotham Knights, like all that came out in DC fandom. So yeah, it was great. I mean, it had a whole bunch of stuff. It reminded me, frankly, of like what the Game Awards is. Is that this is a showcase? There's a whole bunch of stuff coming. Here it is. There you go. Look, it was like a D23 or a Nintendo Direct. Really, everything we're talking about is the way the industry starts going. There's too much stuff, man. If you don't have stuff that people want to pay attention to, then no one's going to pay attention to you. Right, right, right. And Comic-Con, the experience was was the experience. And that's why people came because it was this thing. And this is what sucks about all of this and living virtually is, is that if you're losing experiences of actually going there, it was a fleeting moment to get philosophical about it. 
Comic-Con is only three days and then it's gone. And everything that happened during those three days is what happens. Like summer camp, except yeah. sweatier and fatter. Mm-hmm. And less uh, hand stuff. So, <laughs> what summer camp did you go to? I never went to summer camp. I just watched Bug Juice. They were doing it. I, feel like I love that show. Them. Yeah, that show was a Oh, show. Salute Your Shorts. I was yeah. like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm interested, man. I, I You know, I'm happy. I just, I just... It, it's been a long year, long school year. It's been a long, like, n- nothing's come out this year. I just, please bless us with something. Like, yeah. reve- Rockstar, reveal something, please. Like, b- like, give us something to chew on. Like, Keep actual, dreaming, isn't it? I know, this, we're not getting a Rockstar game. This yeah. Bully 2. Yeah, right. I, I, I would The only die. game I think we would get from Rockstar would be Red Dead Redemption 3. Like, a lot of people were talking about that GTA would be amazing too, earlier this week. I don't think we're going to see another GTA, honestly. I don't disagree i think gta is just going to be converted into like an online format and then why i mean they're just printing money and also i i hate i I literally don't bring them up because i can't remember which one's sam and which one's dan but one of the houses left the one who writes all the i think it's sam not dan um but so the writer's gone yeah and i saw like a really bad take like oh gta is probably not coming out because there's so much cancel culture right now and like GTA could never be released in an environment like this. I'm like, dude, no, <clears throat> like GTA has been pushing boundaries since the first one. And it's been, people have been trying to cancel that game since the first one. Dude, so and let me, <laughs> two things. First off, Rockstar has so much money. They don't give a no, shit. They can't cancel that. And they've always been doing that. And they're always successful. And then, be like the parent company, the guy who runs it, like Strauss Selnick, he doesn't give a shit. No. No. <laughs> and like, and if it was, if you want to talk about like them, it's not, it's, they're not coming out because um, cancel culture and because of what is going on right now. They're not coming out because you keep buying these GTA bucks, you idiot. Yeah. So when you keep putting Shark money, cards are the reason it's not going to Yeah. Happen. Like I have students who get their paycheck and that whole paycheck goes to the fake GTA money. I'm like, stop. If you keep doing this, we're never going to get a GTA 6. And those are the same kids who are like, That's why oh, you're man, upset. I want a GTA 6. I want a GTA 6. I'm like, we're not going to get a GTA 6 if you keep putting money into GTA Online. Why would I give up my moneymaker to pump in money to something that I don't even think is going to pop, like, jump off? I mean, we know it's going to jump off. Right. I'm making consistent, like, billion of dollars a year. Why would I leave that? It's a bad business strategy. You were upset about not your children spending their money on a fake currency in a video game, but the fact that it was affecting your chance to play a different video game. Yeah, I'm a capitalist. Spend your money how you want to spend your money. This is, I'm a, I'm a capitalist in a capitalistic system. I don't tell these kids how to oh. spend their money. Yeah, play the game, man. Like, quit putting GTA, put money, quit putting money into GTA Online if you want a GTA 6. As soon as they stop making money in GTA Online, then they'll probably be like, well, maybe we should do GTA Online too. Got to never- touch it to something. They're never going to stop making money ever. It's the most profitable, um, not franchise. It's the most profitable single property of any media that's ever been made ever. It's of any title, one individual title. It's made the most money of anything. GTA five. It's madness. And look at like the failure that was Red Dead Redemption online. So like, you really think they're going to try to test the waters again? Like, no, they're going to stay with like, it took them all this time to get GTA online functioning. Like, no. Yeah. I'm hoping that they'll just, I want another ping pong game. I want them to come and just do something so insanely out of left field that it just pisses everybody off. That would almost be better to me than getting a bully too. I, I agree with you. Like a rock star ping pong too. Um, yeah, That'd be I so punk you. rock I if think, they just I came out. Hilarious. And I like the amount of anger that would come from it. I think, I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah. I just crave chaos. I just want people. I just want people to lives. fight in the streets. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. But yeah, no bully too. Yeah, but yeah, but that's what I'm saying. The reason I got onto this, I just want a big studio to come in and be like, 
this is a game that's coming out this year. Yeah. You will be playing this. Good luck. Have fun. I guess I want. I just want fun. You know, like after a crappy year that everybody went through, and it could be way crappier than it was for me, or thankfully the people that I know, because a lot of people had really, really crappy really bad years. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was still a pretty shitty year. And I'm it just going to be like, woe is me. I lost a lot of people last year. It was not a fun year. Um, what the hell? I keep losing my train of thought because I keep having these super depressing thoughts. I, I am excited to have the video game industry back and to be big and massive the way that I know it is and to have a feeling of E3 or summer in video games again. I've been talking to my friends in the industry and just everyone feels it feels like it did. You know, not exactly the same, but like we had that energy again, where it's like last year, everything just felt dead and awful. And like now it's this resurgence and it's awesome. And I, I didn't care what gets revealed. I just want to see stuff and I want people to be out again and, you know, talking about games again and seeing new stuff and have that conversation where every new game is not just like, oh, it's delayed. <laughs> like that's every announcement. Yeah. Or so, broken uh, upon release. Right. Like that's like, I feel like that's all we've been talking about this year. I feel like this is 2016 all over again. Like games are being released broken nothing's coming out everything is a disappointment you can't get a console like yeah i just feel like yeah, everyone's sad it's just a crappy time yeah. but yeah, so. the the tides they are changing the times they are changing whatever bob dylan's old i don't care about his music anymore uh it's gonna be exciting i can't wait to have our post wrap on everything that happens um i want to move on and throw you a curveball eddie uh because we normally do this at the very end of the show but uh, because I'm playing a game I'm very excited about it. I want to get into it. Let's play a little bit of what are you playing? Let's start with you. What are you playing, sir? Ooh. What have you been playing, sir, that you would like to give us a, a quick review on? I'm going to tell you because I love this game. Uh, it's Subnautica Below Zero, which Ooh. is the second Subnautica game. Uh, the first one, I think, is a masterpiece, and I got into it much, much later than a lot of people did. Because game, words, son. This game's a lot. I think it's a masterpiece. Yes. Masterpiece. I, it is it's a like, really good sandbox. It is one of the best open world games that has come out in recent um, memory. Do you want to know why I call it a masterpiece? Why do you call it a masterpiece, Patrick? Thank you, because it... It's not that it's doing anything completely different than other games do, but there are not a lot of games where you're doing underwater exploration as the entirety of the game. Like that's the game. Uh, so I think it's a really interesting biome. And it's nice to like see new places to go to. Whatever that doesn't make it a masterpiece. What makes it a masterpiece is, is that it starts off and you just think it's that, right? Yeah. Like a game like Abzu, where you're just swimming around, which is a great game, by the way. Um, underwater games. I do. But I like this one particularly because it has a great survival system built in that doesn't feel like a chore like most survival games do. Or not most survival games, but a lot of them do. Uh, but it is this incredibly deep game that lures you in with a really simple premise and then gets harder. Harder is not even the right word. Stranger and deeper the farther you go into the game until you are just astonished that there's this much in this indie game. Really? You would think it was a triple A game with the amount of layers and depth there is in this game. I said depth a lot because it's a it's a swimmy. I'm you know I'm scared. Underwater games scare me. Like yeah, I can't even scary. like dive underwater in like most games because I get claustrophobic. So mm. it's um so you talked a little bit about the management systems. Is it as bad as, because the one thing I hate about cold games, because this, this game, it does take place in like this, like the Arctic, right? Yeah, I mean, it does. You're on a frozen planet. Ugh, ugh. So like I hated, you know, everybody knows I love Monster Hunter. I love Monster Hunter World. Um, and then when they came out with Iceborne, I did not like the management of the, 
you know, you had to stay warm, right? So you had to drink yeah. like the, this hot cocoa. It wasn't hot cocoa, but you would drink hot cocoa. If dragon you blood or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. No, it was hot cocoa, not cat blood. piss, palico piss. Cat piss would keep you, ugh. Palico piss would keep you warm, probably. It would keep you warm. That's all I'm but saying. Either way, you had to stay warm, right? And if you weren't staying warm, you would lose health. Does it do anything annoying like that? Do you have to oh. like find a fire? To keep yourself from getting hypothermia, you don't have to do some bullshit like that, do you? No, it's not in a really annoying, stupid way. The weirdest, it's like, I guess this is a nitpick of the game, but it's, I don't care, I guess. Um, the game is set on a frozen planet, much like Hoth from Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but you're underwater most of the time, and you actually kind of start to forget that you're even supposed to be on a frozen planet because most of the biomes don't really have that much ice. There are a couple creatures that can freeze you. There are, like, ice crystals every once in a while, blah, 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 whatever the hell. Uh, but you're barely on the surface, just like in the first game. You're not on the surface that much. And when you are on the surface, they have, like, these palm frondy things that you can warm yourself on. And so they really do not – and you never feel like you're in danger of, you know, freezing to death because it would be annoying, especially because you have to juggle your water, your health, yeah, and your right. food in this game already. It would be way too much. And your oxygen when you're underwater. It'd just be ridiculous. So anytime you're in the water, you don't have to worry about being too cold. Okay. At least as far as I've gotten in the game, I'm about 10, 10 and a half hours in, so I've put in a decent amount into it, um, and I haven't had that issue at all. What I will say, though, is it's a little – it's a little annoying that it's set on a frozen planet and it doesn't really feel like you're on a frozen planet for most of it. It's, mm. it is very similar to the first one in a lot of the biomes. It just kind of feels like new stuff, not new stuff that's taking influence from the new setting. Uh, there are a lot of awesome new creatures though, except for the sea monkey who's a total dick and he comes and he steals your stuff. Oh, stupid sea monkeys. I, I hate it so much. Ugh. I spend most of my time just beating sea monkeys to death. Can you kill them and eat them? You can't eat them, but you can't kill them. And I've killed many. Okay. Why can't you eat them? You can eat them. Okay, whatever. That's, I eating. sound weird. I sound weird. Like you can eat everything in Subnautica. Okay. You can kill the fish and eat them. That's where I'm coming from. No, oh, yeah, you're a weirdo. Got it. Look, it's a great game. I think like the original one, it's a lot deeper than you think. And what I love about this game is it makes a little quality life changes from the first one, which I think are fantastic. That was my question. Okay. Did <laughs> it feel on, like a true sequel? It does. I think okay. a lot of people are thinking of this like a DLC. It's yeah. Not. It's not. It's, so it is it's a okay. complete new game and it's it's deep and it's long and it has a really cool central mystery to it like the first one does. I don't really want to get into it, but it's I was very surprised by how much stronger it was than I thought it was going to be. I didn't, okay. These games have really deep lore that it doesn't really need. I, that's such a stupid cliche that people say, but really this game's a lot deeper than like you think it would be. Um, that part was cliche. great. Maybe. Um, that part was great. It, it tweaks enough while still feeling familiar. You'll start off, and if you played the first game, you'll immediately be able to get a lot of things because you know how to do them because you played the first game. And so you're already like on step three as opposed to starting from zero in a game where you're really like finding yourself, right? So that's a very important part of it. That said, once you get to a certain stage, you'll be shocked that like, oh, they kind of switched up on you in a very interesting way, in a way that I wasn't expecting and that made it feel like a brand new game as opposed to just playing Subnautica Plus. I mean, you're selling it. You're selling it. I, I, I really was, love it. And it's cheap, too. It's only like 30 bucks, 40 bucks, I think. 30 um, bucks. Like I said, I played it for okay. over 10 hours. I don't know how far I am. I want to say, I mean, I have the review guide, so I kind of know how far I am, but I'm probably a little bit past the halfway point. Um, but yeah, it's been really fun. And it's on Switch now. Okay. And that's what you're playing it on? Yes. And the performance is obviously not as good as when I play the original Subnautica on my PS5, but that makes sense that my Switch can't run the way my PS5 does. But I don't care. The game still looks nice. um, And it's just playing it handheld 
for whatever reason, especially a game like this, is amazing. Any exploration game, to me, where you can just kind of pop in and drop it like whenever you want to, is fantastic for the Switch. Yeah, simulation games, yeah, anything yeah. like that. Um, hmm, so you said you don't care, but is it, it, are there frame rate dips on the, on the Switch? Yeah. Does it, like, kick up a lot? Okay, see, that, that's <laughs> not the type of... Especially, and it's weird for me because you, I know you don't care because you play old games. I don't, it's hard for me to go from like playing such a seamless ex- experience on the PlayStation 4 to going back on the Switch. And I, this is not a knock on the Switch or anything like that because I love my Switch. It is. But, but it's just whatever. really hard to play games. And I'm, I've never, I used to be like you, I never used to care about this mm-hmm. but until I started playing the PS5. I, I spent a lot of money on a new TV. Now I'm just all about the friends. Oh, these friends per second. How much hurts is going on? Like, I'm all about that stuff now. So I, I feel like that might bother me. Did um, your Subnautica run perfect though on the because even on my PS5 my Subnautica has like some issues with clipping. I, I mean that's bugs in the game, but it, it's still at frame rate. It's an open world sandbox, so you're, sure. you're like those are expected. Um, but no, I, the game never crashed on me. Um, well, I never had a crash even on the. I think I had one crash on the Switch, but you also have to remember I had a review code and I had it before patches, um, and I think okay. it happened before the patch, so you kind of give them a little bit more leniency there. Okay. It's been all right. It's not. Look, it's the Switch. It's not great. Like I can't. I'm not gonna lie and say like it's stupendous and I didn't have frame rate issues. I just you don't care. If you're playing on the Switch. Do you really care about that? I mean, you're on the Switch. That's true. That's yeah, true. and it's available on other platforms. So if you want it there, get it there. It's the you same on price the on all of them. But yeah, Edmonds, just shut up, Edmonds. You know, trying to tell me to shut up. Quit that's probably about frame rate. That's what I'm saying. You curmudgeon-y son of a bitch. I'm just bougie. <laughs> I just like my games to run at a 120 like frames per rate. second. My yeah. 4K TV. Yeah, I gonna... have a 4K TV. I'm sure so. you do. Yeah. Do you have an Oculus? Do you have a VR headset? No. I'm shocked. There's like 600 bucks. Yeah. And they yeah. make you sick. Yeah. I have a PS VR. Do you use it? No. Spent a good deal of money on that mug, that <laughs> mug too. So, yeah. I don't know. I haven't used that. I did have a good, like, Months, couple months with it. Um, Speaking of E3, I was at E3. I think um, the uh, the copy editor for THR, Pete Keeley, was with me, and we were playing Beat Saber at like one of the small booths, like off on the side. And I was playing it, and I sm- I hit Pete in the head, or I hit like the, okay. the PR person, just smacked him right in the face. <laughs> I thought like, this was going somewhere else. Okay. No, yeah. I thought you were like talking about how you put on a VR after like a sweaty, sweaty person. And it was oh, I've done that. It's really gross. Uh, yeah. yeah, see, like, people really want to go to E3 for that? You really I, want to do that again? If there's one thing we all learned from COVID, it's that now hand sanitizer is so much more readily available. Hi, my daughter, who's making lots of videos. Parents on the do you have, like, face sanitizer to put on before you get into those VR things? Or You should. On the good ones, they do. But, like, okay. when you're in the back alley of E3, E3 is, like, going... It's the sort of like of E3. Dude, it is. It's sort of like being in a JRPG, you know, like when you walk into a new area and like there's like little quests that you can do on the side. That's how I always thought of it. <laughs> That's good. Okay. I All miss right. it. Yeah. All right. Well, Subnautica. Below zero. Check below it out. Zero. I was going to say below the deaths. Below I, zero. I rank it above zero. Ooh. Yeah. Look at you. Okay. Okay. So is it a recommend, not recommend, rent it, wait for is it to our, sale? Is that our system? This is our system. We're, we're developing this system right now. Yeah, I'd say buy it right now. I don't think you have to wait for it to go on sale. Okay, it's already cool. not that expensive. You're going to get a lot of time out of it. It's a really great game. I- well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the Donkey Kong Artist Podcast. As we said, we are going to be posting these a lot more regularly. The goal is to have them up on Saturdays and Sundays, and then we're doing a lot of interviews. Um, actually, we have some great ones this week. Uh, tomorrow, we have Neil Jones. Um, and then next week, 
we have some good ones, but I don't want to name them yet just in case, because it's not completely finalized. Uh, but we do have some really great ones coming up. Uh, and we are all over the internet. So if you guys want us to talk to anybody, if you want to talk to us, you can find us because we're everywhere. Yes, we are. And make sure you follow us on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is our Twitter account is being more active. You can follow us at Donkey Kong Artists with an S, the Donkey Kong Artist, the Donkey Kong Artist. We're also on Anchor FM. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on YouTube where our video podcast will be up now. You'll find us on Google, Breaker, Illinois Breaker, Corners. <laughs> Street Corners. I'll be peddling the podcast in multiple goods in Pittsburgh, Antioch, and other places in the Bay Area. So thank you for listening. We love you all. We love you, everybody. Bye. I don't know if we can fade away, fade away on video. Fade away. We just kind of slide away.